0: Give it up baby. I've studied all your moves.
1: Yeah, I studied this. No. <laughs> What's going on everybody? Welcome to the Forbidden Technique podcast on the Fight site Podcast Network. With myself, your host Silas Martin, my co-host is always Christian Reynolds. And today we're hitting a recap of a couple of things that happened over the weekend. Uh, Unfortunately it took us till today, we just had some stuff going on. But we had a UFC card that uh, kind of overperformed for the name power that was on it. So we'll just get straight into this uh, UFC Fight Night card. Holly Home versus Caitlin Vieira, and I'm going to be 100% real with all of you all right now. I fell asleep during the third round of this fight. I, I, I just never finished watching it. I, I woke up. I saw that Caitlin Vieira won, and I was like, "Good, nice." I don't want to see that kind of behavior rewarded. But um, what happened, Christian?
0: Um, so I watched it two days after the fight happened, knowing that the fight was boring going into it because I had heard people's reactions. So I had a very and pessimistic... It was a Holly Holm fight anyway. Yeah, yeah. Like, I had a very pessimistic view going into it, and I was... Uh, I I, I'd, I'd braced myself for how boring it was, and it still kind of shocked me. It wasn't like nothing happening. They were kind of both engaging the entire time. It was just, like, neutral clinch exchanges, and and, like, neither really pulled through... Vieira had, like, more moments, kind of, but it wasn't, it wasn't, like, that meaningful. Almost uh,
1: outstanding RNC. Yeah,
0: that was neat. That was definitely cool. Uh, And, and the fight was just, just kind of tepid, which is what you can expect from it. And there is no reason to get upset about the, about the decision unless you, like, had money on home. But if then, you
1: know. I think most of the people getting upset about the decision are Probably yeah, Holly Holm was propping up their parlay.
0: I we actually know a guy who lost out on a bunch of money because of that. So
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: but you know the actual result of the fight—that's it's pretty inoffensive robbery. Uh, like I, I don't even know, know if you can consider it a robbery because you know Holm wasn't trying that hard.
1: Yeah, like I say, um, I don't want to. I don't want people to be able to win fights in 2022 with the Meaningless volume striking and like neutral clinching up against the fence. It, it's, it, you know, not just from an entertainment, entertainment perspective. I'm just like, that's, it's that's, that's not, it's not really fighting.
0: Yeah. And, and I always lean towards the side of the person in Ketlin's situation where she is the one at like many of the physical disadvantages and she fought like she wanted it more. Same kind of reason that I give uh, Carlos Sparza some credit for the Rosa fight. Because, you know, even if you have a problem with the, the scoring, uh, it doesn't matter. Because the person that had all the tools to to blow the other person out fought someone that is not able to just blow their opponent out, you know? Like, Vieira can't just go up and fuck up Holm if she has a really good, good night. She's always going to have a difficult fight. Whereas Holm in really good form would probably outmaneuver the fuck out of Viera and and if she was actively, like, trying to lead, she would probably have success, just on, like, athletic disparity. So, I give credit to Vieira for getting the decision and, uh, like, making it to, through the fight, because she very easily could have just gotten fucked up by a noticeable speed difference. I, I thought Holmes' reactions looked pretty bad. But, you know, she's getting older, that's gonna happen. Yeah, so, it, it was kind of like an old lady performance by Holly Holm where Vieira just wanted it a little bit more but was too nervous to actually commit to many things cuz she also was still like at risk. She had a lot more risk inherent to the matchup. You know, Holly Holm may not be a hitter but let's not forget she has fucked people up before, you know. Like like she can definitely put shots together if you aren't minding your shit. Especially if you're you're like trying to pressure her because she has pretty good ringcraft.
1: Yeah, particularly if you're running into her punches,
0: mm-hmm. or if you're getting outmaneuvered. Like if you try and pressure her really quickly, she might just turn you off and then head kick you as you're turning around, like she did Rhonda. So, like there's there's a lot of danger in the matchup for Viera that isn't really there for Holmes. So I'm gonna give Vieira credit for fighting through the the danger while Holmes was kind of just passive.
1: Okay, well, I'm done with this fight. Yeah. It was definitely the least interesting fight on the card. And co-main event. Um, I think I owe Michelle Pereira an apology. Cause I just didn't quite get the whole arc of his career. Definitely been some growing pains. Losing to Tristan Connolly, throwing the fight away against Diego Sanchez, and then Absolutely dunking on Zalim Imadayev, but just just looking absolutely miserable against like Chaos Williams and Nico Price. I'm just like, I don't get what Michelle Pereira is trying to do. Is he just capital T technical now? Like, where is this all going? And I think these last two fights, I got to give him credit. He has just... Like, if you're that fucking athletic and you have like 40 fights, eventually you're just going to figure some shit out. You're just gonna you're just gonna get some veteran savvy and his technique is still an absolute mess. His ringcraft is like basically non-existent. But he just has like a lot of neat little tactical tricks that get him through, and he's way better at maintaining his gas tank and fighting well when he's tired and you know choosing his moments to to explode and scare his opponent off and you know, being able to survive and stay negative when he needs to. This was like a Yoel Romero performance against someone who's actually able to put a pace on him. I thought it was good, and this is definitely his toughest opponent, his best win. I thought Pons looked like an older version of himself, but mostly still like himself. Like a, a lot of the uh, good and bad habits that, that, that have always marked uh, Pons's career, and it was just a smart, consistent well-composed uh, performance from Michelle Pereira, and he's a, a top 15 welterweight now. It's pretty dope.
0: Yeah, I, I thought it was... I, like, when I think of Pereira, you know, most people probably don't think of, like, a pared-down game when they think of him. But I kind of do, because his game for many years now has just been, like... Like, he's added to it in, in like, layer, some layers of exchanges, but mostly it's just him doing jabs, straights, and it, like, alternating body head with that, and then teeping uh, his opponent away, or, like, doing little nice snap kicks to the body, and then kind of meme head movement. I say meme because, you know, like, he drops both hands, and it's, like, really exaggerated, and he's like, haha, look at how fucking defensive I'm being, rather than just, like, slipping and countering. So, it, it, a lot of it's kind of just, he's very showy still in his style, even though he has that going on, but, like, I have the fight going on in the background right now, and he, he just like teeped positive away and then pulled out of the way of a uh, hook and then didn't really do anything with the pull out of the way of the hook and just kind of like started circling.
1: Yeah, I think people forget how minimal his actual shot selection is because he does so much weird stuff in and around the fight that isn't even actually a fighting technique. He's just doing backflips and somersaults and fucking stupid capoeira shit and weird cross-stepping footwork that has like no actual like purpose um but yeah he, he mostly just does like straight punches and straight kicks and sometimes he might like like do like uh do like a teep feint and then like shift off of it to set stuff up off of the other side and close a bit of distance but he's, he's weird he's like he actually doesn't have that many tools and he doesn't hit that hard even though he looks like he really should I don't know if it's a technique thing, but I don't know. He, he's, he's fascinating. He,
0: he's like really fast, but he throws his shots to kind of just like get to the target rather than actually crack people. And he, he doesn't, you know, try to find people when they're on one leg or anything. Like he doesn't land many counters, uh, like watching it a second time, I, I recognized a lot he was, he was just kind of. Staying farther away from Ponzinibbio than Ponzinibbio wanted him to be, then any time Ponzinibbio would start to enter, he would kind of just get like front kicked or or kicked on an exit if he tried to run away. Like most of the fight, it was it was Ponzinibbio having troubles actually tracking down Pereira because if you just move side to side a bunch, Ponzinibbio is not going to sit down and commit to much. He really likes his opponent on the fence to just be standing against the fence, not really moving side to side. Because Ponzinibbio really needs his feet under him if he's going to start throwing combos.
1: Yeah, I think this is something that we kind of touched on in the matchup, and like a, a big reason of why I ended up uh, flip flopping over to Pereira at the last minute was that I was I was just like, um, uh, Ponzinibbio has kind of always had an issue, uh, very similar to Jonathan Martinez uh, lower down on this card, and I think it's like a pretty typical thing to see with like pressure strikers in MMA is that they often just see like like pressure itself as the end goal and don't necessarily and aren't necessarily able to like connect it to their offense and their shot selection in 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 like the in a particularly smooth way um you know i you are to this day like famously absolutely furious about um Nibio's performance against Neil Magney where he just had him completely out of the fight and capitulating up against the cage for like 20 minutes straight before he was actually able to just find a shot that knocked him out. And I was just like, yeah, I mean, like Pereira will put himself up against the cage, but he'll just like move around a lot and do like, like big blitzes and faint weird shit that's just going like to put that kind of fighter off. And uh, yeah, that re- really, uh, really saved him in, in the moments where he was, uh, where he just like couldn't, couldn't commit to those big explosions,
0: and and uh, going back to what you said about the like Prera's skill evolution, I I see a lot of people think that he's lost like the meme quality of, of him doing all the like weird spins and, and like jumping off the fence and, uh, and like doing backflips that he used to do, but I th- I don't think it's that. He's scared out of doing them from having some losses. I think he straight up got bored of it, and just like matured as a fighter. He's like, you know what, I- I'm just I'm trying to fucking keep my career going. You know, I'm fighting like at a-, a pretty high level at this point. I I'm just gonna start like really trying to win, and 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 not really fucking around.
1: Yeah, you might be right because 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 the big thing about it is that I don't even really see it as a skill evolution so much as just like a kind of. Um, yeah like you say just a, a, a maturity in the way that he fights now he still does a lot of the same actual techniques they're just applied in a much more like strategically focused way like he, he actually seems to know how to use the things that he's naturally good at to consistently win rounds now which is a, seems like a fucking bananas thing to say about uh, the guy who just backflipped his way into losing to the least athletic featherweight in ufc history
0: (laughs) yeah i I think a good way to describe like what's going on with Pereira's career and and the way that he's changed his fighting style is just imagine yourself like even the listener everyone involved imagine if you were fighting an eight-year-old that was not athletic how would you fight the kid would you be doing backflips probably like you wouldn't really be thinking about it too much but it feels like Pereira lost to like a pretty athlete like a crazy, skilled nine-year-old that just kind of, like, fucked him up, and he was like, oh, shit. Okay, yeah, I should probably think about what I'm doing more. I could have really easily won this. Because Tristan Connolly was not in the fight when Ponsonibio was actually, like, like, fighting well. He just got into the fight because Ponsonibio gassed in the first round doing fucking cartwheel kicks or whatever.
1: Just doing cartwheels?
0: Yeah, yeah, not even not even kicks. Like, just straight up fucking doing, like, ballerina spins for fun. So it it was less – I don't think he got exposed for like, oh, his dumb fuck shit doesn't work. He he was just like, okay, what the fuck am I doing? Like, I could have won this so easily. This is embarrassing. Oh, and it was. And now, and, and now he's just fighting better. And, and he has had growing pains in that he's not, like, willing to commit to, to fighting people that are actually going to, like, fight him back. But I think that's really just – you know, like a level of competition thing, because Chaos Williams is really dangerous, and Pereira got through the fight pretty much completely unscathed. Uh, well, and that,
1: and and and, but that's why I think these last two performances have really shown like all of those things just coming together for Pereira, because Andre Fiallo and um, Santiago Ponzinibbio are like absolutely, I think, his toughest, most like actually skilled opponents that he's had in the UFC, and like opponents who. Who hit hard and pressure and are stylistically dangerous for him. And he like handled them both like pretty comfortably.
0: Yeah, I kind of have a theory that maybe Pereira is now better against pressure fighters like Ponzinibbio and Fialio than he is against someone that's not really a pressure fighter like Chaos Williams or I- Imadaev. Because in like you would expect, oh, Ponzini puts or uh, Prayer puts himself on the fence all the time, and he doesn't really fight from there. He just kind of like will do something to get you off of him, and then enter, uh, like do, start doing shit from the middle, or he'll just like front kick you, or it will move side to side. But he doesn't have like a super advanced uh, near the fence game, you know. Like it, it's just kind of very basic stuff, and it's a position he's in all the time. Uh, so I think maybe he just. Does worse in neutral space now than he does against pressure fighters because he's just fighting more composed and getting used to it. So, like, I think at the this point of his skill progression, he's actually not worse against pressure fighters. I think he's just used to that, so he can kind of navigate that matchup. I think if someone, like, I'm thinking, you know, what if he fights Wonder Boy? I think if he fights Wonder Boy, he'll get fucking diced at range.
1: Yeah, there, there's a strong possibility of that.
0: He'd, like, blitz in with with his little, like, ducking straights, probably get walked into head kicks, or, like, lead head kicks in, like, straights.
1: Or just really, just, yeah, much more uh, clean, accurate, mechanically efficient straight.
0: Yeah, it, you know, Wonderboy's still got good reaction speed. Like, he, he's probably going to be able to get his head out of the way. But, but I'm thinking, like, you know, uh, not just because he's Darren Till, but in theory... Michelle Pereira versus Darren Till could be really fucking boring, and I'd see Michelle probably losing it. And there's still matchups like that for him in the division. It's just, uh, like, I don't think he's going to run into many of them.
1: No, I I do want
0: to actually, I want to see him against, like, a grappler now. You know, like, if he can get to a fight with, uh, like, Michael Chiesa, which he actually may get next. Yeah, yeah, that would be interesting. Because, you know, Pereira has the athletic chops to kind of handle someone that's really good at grappling.
1: Or, you know, if he's going to be serious as a welterweight contender, at some point he's going to have to fight Neil Magny.
0: Yeah, yeah. Or, or, you know, someone that can grapple that is larger than Diego Sanchez. Larger and less old than Diego Sanchez is a, a, like an important differentiator. Uh, So we just talked about that fight like it was the main event because there kind of wasn't a main event for this card.
1: Yeah, well, we did actually have a request from a patron recently to just talk about Michelle Pereira. So I hope that was sufficient. Um, You're a beautiful man, Michelle Pereira. You do your thing. I'm sorry I ever doubted you.
0: Yeah, Michelle Pereira, I've loved you since the first day I saw you. And uh, I hope that you hear this message. And teach me how to do cartwheels like that. T- teach me athleticism.
1: Uh Chidi Andraquani uh, knocked Dushko Todorovich out. That was neat. Was a really nice uh elbow from the clinch. Uh Chidi Andraquani is kind of a fucking lunatic in the way that he fights, because he will you know, he's clearly, you know, a sharp, rangy puncher and like sneaky inside clinch fighter, but he'll just kind of like, vibe with whatever his opponent wants to do. Um, like, he can scramble decently, but he'll just be like, no, I'm going to jump a dash choke real quick. I'm going to try to do some shit here. Um, but, you know, sometimes that just like willingness to go wherever your opponent is taking the fight and just try and find meaningful offense there, no matter where it is. Oh, it just pays off to you. You got a sick elbow KO. It's nice to see. Never see enough. Bar close range, clinch, elbow knockouts in MMA. It's a really underutilized thing and uh, it seems like a thing that's just ridiculously open because uh, a lot of MMA fighters get really sloppy in transitions.
0: Yeah, and uh, Dusko is really easy to knock out and got knocked out. Or not easy to knock out. He is just at this level, you know, he he's gonna get fucked up by people that hit hard and aren't gonna break from grappling for a round.
1: And just, he was, uh, he was just gonna get knocked out by Cheedy at some point. It just kind of seemed inevitable.
0: Yeah, and Cheedy wasn't like wasn't really that tired after a round. So even if it made it into the second, because it was pretty late into the first, but even if it had made it into the second, it would have just like Dusko gets tired too, and Dusko was grappling a guy that was much stronger than him. So
1: let us still not forget the time that Dusko uh, just walked down and knocked out Michelle Pereira.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. Good on Cheedy. Uh I learned nothing about Dusko Todorovic. I I I my, We
1: learned what we already knew, I think.
0: Yeah, my opinion on him has not gotten better or worse after that fight.
1: Yeah, if if there was any negative thing, it was just that it was like a close range clinch knockout, so he didn't uh, get knocked out in a really silly way where his head gets launched across the octagon.
0: Yeah, I did want to see him get hit by like a really hard straight as he was leaning back. That would have been fun. But, you know, at least we got to finish.
1: Yeah, Uh, I think Chidi Andrik is cool. And he's basically the fighter he's going to be. Looks to be in his prime. Get him in a fight with fucking Brad Tavares or some shit. I don't know. Get him up there at middleweight. He's cool. Tabitha Ricci defeated Pollyanna Viana by decision. Uh, good on her because Tabitha Ricci had one of the roughest UFC debuts I've ever seen where she is like tiny for strawweight and had her debut up at flyweight where she fought like the best prospect in the division in Manon Fioro who just like easily knocked her out and just athleted the shit out of her and uh, Tabitha Ricci is just like this fight wasn't good particularly, but a tab of the is just like fun to watch because she's like just really small, but she's just insanely aggressive about everything, and the f- fight just ended up being kind of weird because um, <coughs> Ricci could kind of just get takedowns whenever she wanted, but would be in Viana's guard and just be like, "Oh no, this girl's." Still twice the size of me and just like really awkward on the ground. I'm just, just gonna stand up and disengage and just do low kicks. And Pollyana Viana would just uh would just sit there and, and get low kick. Um, so you like I don't know, Richie just took the easy win that was given to her, and I respect it. And I'd like to see her fight uh, all of the other people that are way too small for this division. Uh get her in with uh Loma burn me. Ginny Frey, Stella Nunez, the, the unofficial UFC Atom
0: White division. Yeah, and then Pollyanna Viana just kind of had the most Pollyanna Viana performance you could imagine. That That's not really analysis, it's more just like, you can tell by my enthusiasm, the fight was really good. I don't know. I, I think Pollyanna Viana is just too beatable uh, by like a broad array of different styles because, you know, He's lost to Veronica Macedo, uh, lost to Hannah Cyphers. Uh, very, very different fighters. Like I, I also lost to J.J. Aldrich. All three of those completely different fighters. Like almost no overlap in most of it, aside from you know Macedo and Hannah Cyphers are better athletes in some regards, and then J.J. Aldrich is just better. You know, the Ricci is small but better. So. It, did, did Pollyanna Viana knock out Amanda Hebush on the regionals? Yes, in a round. Weird. Half a round. Weird. Yeah, it's a w- weird thing. I don't think Pollyanna Viana fights are like easily analyzable at all. Because cause you you can watch in hindsight and be like, yeah, well, she lost because of this. But going into it, you kind of just got to guess which uh, variation of a Pollyanna Viana win or loss you're going to get. Is she going to get subbed by someone stronger than her? Is she going to get too aggressive and get fucked up early? Is she going to go out and win early? Is she going to go to another split decision? Like, it's very strange.
1: Is she just going to lose off of her back with no, like, having no urgency?
0: (laughs) Yep. Yeah. There's a few archetypes of ways that she can lose, and they normally all come up during a fight or, like, over the course of a three round fight. So, I don't know. It, it It was a kind of lukewarm fight. Yeah.
1: Um, speaking of lukewarm fights,
0: uh, I mean, at least this one
1: was kind of funny because I've never heard the uh fight site voice chat get so hyped over someone winning just the most tepid split decision you've ever seen. Um, just because Eric Anders fucking sucks, he just sucks the fun out of a fight, and every time uh, Jung Hyun Park was like really start, starting to figure Eric Anders out and walk him down and find cool counter combinations. Eric Anders would just shoot a shitty single leg and just try and smush him up against the cage and just burn time by being stronger than Jung Yoon Park. So uh, we were getting hype as fuck when they gave the split decision to Park.
0: Yeah, aside from that though, not that much to say about the fight. Uh, good on Jung Hyun Park for hanging in there. And yeah, get him in a fun, fun fight. Yeah. Why 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 do you have to fight Eric G- Anderson? Give him anyone interesting. Give him <coughs> fucking Alex Pereira. That fight would be a fucking war. <laughs> would it? Is- I think it'd be a war and then Park would get like Like knocked dead unconscious in the second.
1: <laughs> I mean Pere- Pereira's already uh booked against Sean Strickland, so Yeah, I, I, don't mean, like, anytime, I don't mean like I don't mean
0: literally make that fight. It'd just like Give him I mean, someone I mean, with Dushko
1: Todorovic, I don't know.
0: Oh, that would be sick. They're both small middleweights. Uh, and then Joseph Holmes uh, fucked up Alan uh, Amadovsky.
1: Yeah, Redick he did, uh, d- did a knee and d- and then subbed him. It was cool. Uh, Al- Alan Amadovsky is uh, really hitable and probably shouldn't be in the UFC.
0: Yeah, and Holmes uses his range pretty well. Do you see Amadovsky's debut against John Phillips? Uh, I almost definitely did, even though I don't remember it.
1: No, you wouldn't have remembered it because he just gets dropped three times and flatlined by John Phillips in like fourteen
0: seconds. Oh yeah, I do remember that then. Yeah, that was yeah, sick. it was
1: it was pretty it was, it was pretty wacky. I'm I just yeah, I don't know.
0: Yeah, it it was uh, I remember the like the UFC put up the betting line for the fight going to decision. For Holmes Zawodowski, and it was like a big favorite for the fight to get finished. So then the fight got finished in a very predictable way.
1: (laughs) Yeah, um, yeah, I don't really know where either guys go from here with this kind of fight. It was a thing that happened. Not sure why it was the featured prelim.
0: It did not lower my opinion of either guy. It just made it to where I'm like, cool, Holmes maintained his momentum, and uh, we're going to see him fight again soon. Probably because this was a like he took no damage and won easily.
1: Uh, Jillson Almeida, uh, easily sunned Parker Porter. Uh, most people expected him to. I had a few people just being like, oh don't know, Jill and not the biggest, uh, light heavyweight, and Parker Porter is heavy, and that could be an issue. And it just wasn't, uh, Jill and Almeida's st- still just immediately rushed him and got him off his feet. Sunned him from top and uh, um, finished him from the back. Solid, easy paycheck. Good for General Almeida. I hope he goes back down to light heavyweight, but whatever he wants to do, he he has got the tools to succeed in this heavy division, and it's a style that most people are simply not ready for.
0: And And it's like a really cool style for that's like kind of arisen somewhat recently where it's just like a, a top control wrestler that kicks to get takedowns or like kicks into takedowns a lot. There's like, you know, there's Kamaev, uh, Almeida, there's, you know, to an extent, uh, Makashev. There, there's a few guys going around there doing that. It's really cool.
1: Well, it's cool. Cause Almeida has said that he, he really like likes those guys and that, that's like the kind of yeah. style that he's going for. And you can totally see with the, with the way that he, uh, with, with his style of top control as well, it, 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 it's all of that classic, just like cage grinding, like leg mounts and cross wrist rides, and getting people to turn to give their back. All that good stuff.
0: It's it's really cool seeing guys like Al- Jelton Almeida because uh, it it's something you can kind of only see in MMA. You know, someone that's working their entire game around. You know, a really powerful body kick or like something to get their opponent reacting or moving backwards and then just dropping down their legs while they're off balance or while they're reacting to being kicked. So, you know, it, it fights like, like this kind of show you why MMA is cool. Cause it's not just someone going up and doing boxing in Oxo when just going up and wrestling someone, and fucking them up where you can kind of see that in Sambo or the you martial in other arts guards.
1: have been mixed.
0: Yeah. It, it was a cool MMA fight. I like that. Uh,
1: Uros Medić versus Omar Morales. I thought this was a really good showing from Uros Medić. where <clears throat> coming up in the UFC, he's like one of these guys that they talk about having a big kickboxing record. And then I watch him fight in MMA. He's just like a lunatic that just tries to wipe people out. And like half of his regional wins are like triangles. I'm like, okay, I've seen this guy before. <laughs> um... And then he just like met a more dynamic finisher in Jalen Turner, who wiped him out in the first round. And it really seemed like he took a lot away from that fight. And um, this was a great, I thought, coming out party for him against just a solid, consistent, well schooled striker in Omar Morales, who, you know, lost to Giga Jakadze, but gave him a good fight and went to decision. And Urus Medic just uh, patiently pressured behind. Like feints and long-range throwaway shots, and uh, built to a finish late in the second round where he uh, dropped Morales with three really nice uh, counter left hands in a row.
0: Yeah, it was really impressive. Showed good killer instincts. Uh, showed that he's like able to improve, which is always promising, and sometimes it just doesn't happen. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So yeah,
1: like he had um, he had built-in defense when he was throwing. Uh, he was making sure not to get into messy exchanges and mining his shit when he was resetting and getting back to range, like where he was uh, able to kind of just pick Morales off with like body kicks and straight shots.
0: The thing that started off the finishing sequence was he had kind of made his opponent really tentative just by you know beating him to the punch a lot and fainting him out. So he got his opponent to undercommit to a left hook and then landed at the same time with a straight. And the straight fucked up morale uh, Morales a lot more than it affected Medic. So then Medic just pursued and like killed the fuck out of him, throwing a left hand over and over. That's like, that's like the best way you can start a finishing sequence in, in this type of matchup. Because he, like he ate the shot. It would have been cooler if he like weaved under the the lead hook. But you know he got a win, so you can't really criticize it at all. And he he had scared his opponent into not throwing hard.
1: Yeah, like you said, I think it was, it was almost like if uh, if Morales had committed to that left hook, then it might, might have been like a double knockdown situation or something, but it seemed like um, yeah, just the stuff that Medich was doing leading up to that to get Morales to second-guess himself just meant that he had the upper hand in that exchange and yeah, was able to get the finish off it. So Boris Medich was good.
0: Yeah, it's something where if you only saw the highlight, you might think that Morales is bad, but if you watch the full fight, you're like, oh, Morales got like kind of beaten up into fighting like that are being tentative. So, yeah. It's going to be cool.
1: Yeah, I think I want to see Uros Medich fight Drew Dober.
0: Oh, that sounds like a really fun one. Um, and then we had Jonathan Martinez fighting uh, Vince Morales.
1: <laughs> yeah. was mostly just decided by uh, Jonathan Martinez just establishing a really hard lead in the low-kicking battle early. And just kind of absolutely toasted Morales' lead leg. and. Pretty much was able to have his way with him because Morales was kind of second guessing everything that he wanted to do against Martinez because he was worried about stepping in and just getting his leg torn up even more. Uh, Kind of as I alluded to earlier, I do think Martinez has a bit of an issue where, like, he just wants to get his opponent to the fence and then just, like, try and get them to move into one, like, really really like slick uh, singular collision just do like a shifting left hook or a or, or a big left kick or something and it's like sometimes you just you need to capitalize on having you know putting all of that work into getting your opponent out of position and then just kind of letting them off because you don't want to extend the exchange um, as I said earlier I think it was a big part of what lost Ponza nibio that fight against Michelle Pereira
0: yeah I thought Martinez looked good and I thought Morales looked uh... Kind of confused by the matchup, like he didn't really know how to handle a guy that's like one of the only fighters in the UFC I can think of that is almost exclusively a kicker. Like he has punches in his game, of course, like you got to, but like his game is pretty much entirely centered around kicking. And if he can't kick the fuck out of you and like actually fuck you up with kicks, then he's not really gonna do much in a matchup.
1: Yeah, and uh, a lot of Morales's success in previous fights uh, is often dictated. by him, were uh, winning low kicking battles with people.
0: Yeah, and his stance is really wide, so he was just getting kicked off balance pretty much any time he got kicked clean. And Mar- Martinez, it, he commits really hard to his body kicks, and and his leg kicks are are very off putting. Like it'll it'll knock your balance out. His timing's good on them too, so Morales just kind of couldn't keep his footing much of the fight.
1: Mm-hmm. And he just he has some nice like uh, intercepting counters that he can do for people who are trying to close in on him a little bit too recklessly.
0: Yeah, like the way Jonathan Martinez throws his jab is is pretty weird. Like he he like flicks it but in like a kind of a really snappy way, not like a good way. Like his jab mechanically has a, a bunch of problems, but just his utilization of it was pretty nice.
1: Nice nice knees and elbows though. But anyway, that fight was fine whatever. This fight next on the cut, Holy shit. A Chase Hooper versus Kilares. Chase Hooper versus Philippe Calares. So, when people talk about athleticism in fighting, I think this is something that just needs to be like redefined or clarified in a certain way because there's plenty of fighters who do very well in the UFC who you wouldn't pick to, um, you know, do well in like team sports uh, where like traditional athleticism is a lot more of a factor, but people who just have like good attributes for fighting. You know, you've got like, I don't know, like Dustin Poirier, who's not like the quickest or most agile or flexible guy, but he's just got insane cardio and he hits really hard and he's durable as shit. And Chase Hooper might not be athletic, but this is one of the best showcases I've I've ever seen for leveraging flexibility as an athletic attribute in fighting. It may have been that this was just the perfect opponent for him. I haven't seen Felipe Calares before. And he just, Seemed to have absolutely no choice but to get into scrambles with Chase Hooper, which he just kept losing and got him exhausted. Because I don't know if Chase Hooper, like, as a grappler, has a bit of a, like, a Neil Magny clinch thing going on where people think they can just throw him around because he looks like a big noodle guy. But then he's like, oh, no, I've got a bunch of, like, weird tricks here that you're actually not ready for. Like, it's fucking impossible to even get a dominant position on Chase Hooper. Um. Because he's so long and he's so flexible. But there's a point in this fight where where Colares has him in a mounted crucifix and Chase Hooper's just like, nah, dude, I'm just going to invert and now you're in a crucifix, lol. And uh, he just had no choice but to just keep scrambling and he just got exhausted and uh, Chase Hooper was, was able to finish Kilares, uh, uh with Grounder Pound in the third round. It was fucking sick.
0: Yeah. It, it, and like most of like Hooper's game in this fight was just him him doing his classic shit. It's just improved a lot since he started training with Wonderboy. Like he broke a guy with pace, doggedness, and flexibility. And that, that's all Chase Hooper can do in, in his fights. He, he had like some, some neat clinch tricks that I hadn't really seen from him before, like passing over his, his opponent's army, using his incredible. Like long reach to kind of scoop under and grab the far side under elbow, and, and then like turn, he didn't really get anything out of that, but it's just like a neat thing to kind of occupy uh, your opponent's hands in the clinch, and it, it kept his opponent tentative and on the feet. Hooper was, he had a lot; of, he showed a lot of improvements. Like his timing looked better. Uh, he looked more handsome, which, as we all know, makes your kickboxing better. Uh, like on the ground, he he his length is just. Like length isn't inherently a cheat code on the ground, but he has the flexibility and like the the creativity to get a lot done with it. And he's durable, but in a way that it kind of baits people into hitting him because he is hittable. So people gas out like getting cheeky offense off in weird ground situations. But he's getting his own offense off, and it's kind of a thing where he can do his his game where you're going 50-50 with each other for a long period of time and then he'll just take over because he he just stays like consistent about finding sneaky ground offense in positions that he can. And he he's so active about trying to submit people and in even just to switch positions. Like he he never takes a bad position. Uh he if he's in a good position, he doesn't just sit in it. Like he'll try to maneuver to, like take risks and get a a submission or, or try and ground and pound you better. And he's not worried about scrambling. A lot of fighters you can see, uh, it's especially like recently in MMA on on like lower level parts of the card. Like this is the second fight on the card, and he he was like grappling at a pretty high level. Like he 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 wasn't just taking a position and trying to win a decision. He was constantly going for the finish, which you'd love to see, especially in a guy as young as Chase Hooper, that really needed to make some drastic adjustments. Uh, like, not just in his technical skill depth, uh, in technical skill depth regards, like going to a better gym, but he also just needed to kind of change the way he approached fights because he was too willing to exchange with people at range. He was too willing to kind of take someone else's fight on the feet if he was still having trouble getting to the ground. Like Alex Casera is a good example. I love Alex Caceres, but you should not be in the UFC if you're going to get outclassed by him and dropped multiple times. Just just because of the nature of his style. Like, you can lose to him very dominantly, but if you're going to get uh, kind of tooled from start to finish like he did, you would expect that that would mean Hooper just has reached an athletic limit and just can't do well in the UFC. But he's improved physically. like He looks stronger in this fight. He looks really comfortable uh in, in like tie-ups, which you hadn't had before. He just looks like he's a well-improved fighter, and he's still 22.
1: And after this, you know what fight I fucking need to see? What? Chase Hooper versus Darren Elkins.
0: Oh yeah, that's a legendary fight. It's gotta
1: happen, come on.
0: Yeah, Chase Hooper would probably get a knockdown.
1: Yeah, and Darren Elkins will scramble with Chase Hooper. But I mean, I mean, this was a Darren Elkins-ass fight from Chase Hooper, so I don't know. It, it could be it'd be a beautiful passing of the torch.
0: Yeah, and uh, another fight I think we could see if we want to try and see... Like, if we really want to test Hooper's improvements, give him Cub Swanson. Ooh. Because he's the exact style archetype that submits Cub Swanson like traditionally. But also, if you're not good enough
1: yeah, he's also exactly the kind of guy who still could actually just get wiped out by Cub Swanson in like two minutes.
0: Yeah, so it's a, that's like a very... I really want to see that fight now that I think about it, because it's just very interesting, because Cub, that has so much potential to make Cub look the best he's looked in years, and it also has a lot of potential to kind of let Jay Super have a coming out party for real. Because, uh, you know, people have known about Jay Super, but if he could actually beat a guy like Cub, that would be pretty big for his career but he probably doesn't want that at this point because he still has a lot to improve on. So I think like a a more tame matchup like giving him a a can in his next fight maybe to to just like strike with would be really useful for like skill development, but that's not what the UFC's about. So he's probably going to fight someone that's really hard to fight next fight.
1: Someone in the Discord the other day said we need to turn Chase Hooper into Jiu-Jitsu MVP.
0: Oh my god, that'd be so funny. <laughs> yeah, I'd,
1: I'd be down with that. <laughs> It's also just a shame we'll probably never see him fight Ryan Hall.
0: Yeah, yeah, the the, them knowing each other makes it kind of weird. I I do want to see Chase Hooper versus Andre Feely. Ooh. Yeah, that's a weird one, right?
1: Mm. Yeah, I don't even know what I don't even know how to feel about that until it gets made. (laughs) And I just don't know where Feely's at right now.
0: But you know what? Chase Hooper, now that he's like, I think pretty obviously a good fighter you know a lot of people still had uh reservations about him and just thought he was flat out bad uh, leading up to this fight but now he's good so we can kind of respect how like novel his style is uh and and, like the all the cool positions he gets in where he got in about three or four positions and grappling in this fight that i had never seen before like just because of his particular uh like athletic traits matched up with like the height difference and uh and the the creativity he has for submissions... Because he's been training jiu-jitsu for a really long time... So like since a teenager... He's just been doing fucking weird ass... Inversions and... And like... Uh, I'm watching the fight through right now... And he is on bottom... But he looped through his leg around his opponent's back... And it's under the bicep... So like with one leg and his right arm... He has his opponent in like a modified crucifix from bottom... It's so strange... And then... Now like five seconds later... He is rolling for a, a leg lock, so he's just very strange to watch grapple, and and he's really fun.
1: So I guess we might as well mention the last fight, or first fight on the card since uh, we talked about everything else. Uh, Sam Hughes defeated Elise Reed by also by ground and pound TKO in the third round. That was a decent decent performance. Sam Hughes kind of just uh. Got bopped the fuck up by way more experienced strikers in her first couple of fights, and was just like, "Oh, this, this is stupid. I'm just gonna wrestle and do top game stuff." And uh, put a couple of good wins together now.
0: Yeah, and, uh, Sam Hughes is pretty cool. She she has like a pretty like narrow skill set on the feet, but she's very insistent about it. And uh, on the ground, she's she's consistent. Like she'll she'll stay on you. She's just like a, the picture of consistency in. You know she has four losses, but that's to the like difficult fights to win for her.
1: Oh, she was just not ready for Tisha Torres. No. Okay, so that's uh, the whole UFC card. Um, That'll be the only episode for this week since there isn't really anything going on this weekend. I mean, there's karate combat, and you know we're going to talk about that, but uh, karate combat's a little bit too new of an organization to really be able to even do previews for. Next week is Volkov versus. Rosenstruck and I don't want to talk about that. So we're gonna to try to have a guest on and we're gonna try and talk about some some other stuff.
0: And then we'll tack on talking about the card and somewhere. And yeah,
1: and we'll 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 see what happens with that. But anyway, if you've enjoyed this and all of the other great stuff that the fight side puts out, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Uh, just a pledge of three dollars gains access to a huge library of really high quality analytical fight content and then a pledge of $5 gains access to a great Discord server where we have a really cool community with a ton of different fight fans from different backgrounds where we always have interesting discussions Christian and myself are both very active in the Discord, we regularly host fight night watch parties we'll get together with the boys watch some fights always good fun you should come hang out, support the fight site This has been the Forbidden Technique Podcast. We'll catch you later. Later. Peace.